You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. disruptions we've experienced during this time of social distancing, work from home, isolation, one of the ones that I felt most keenly is the way it's disrupted my family life. Now, I love my family. There's no one on planet Earth that I care more deeply about than my wife and my children. But there's something about being confined in a small space for an extended amount of time that draws out the worst in everybody. There's no place to go to escape when you just need a moment. Normally for me, if I needed some time, I would go out to watch a movie at the movie theater. I would go spend some time at one of the coffee shops here around San Antonio that I love. But during this time of social distancing and isolation and staying at home, my family life has been disrupted because we're together so much. But it doesn't take a worldwide pandemic to really disrupt a family life. Sometimes external forces disrupt our family life, whether that be the loss of a job, whether that be a financial crisis in the world, an illness that goes through a death in the family. All of these things can disrupt us, but some of the disruptions that we experience in our families are of our own causing. Jesus shared a story in Luke chapter 15 that was about one of these type of disruptions. Jesus tells a story that we sometimes call the prodigal son or the lost son. And in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, he tells a story of a family, two sons and their father. And the youngest son comes to his dad and he says, I want my inheritance. I'm out of here. Now, in our culture, that may seem like a good thing. Hey, this, this child's ready to leave the nest. He's ready to go out on his own. He's finally arrived in adulthood. But in this culture, the way he approaches his father, he's actually communicating to him, Dad, I wish you were dead to me. And I don't know how you would respond, especially if you're a parent, to this kind of request from a child. I know I'd be taken aback. I'd be upset and uh, offended that my child came to me and said, I wish you were dead to me. Just give me stuff that you owe me or you will owe me when you die and let me go do it on my own. I can't imagine the way this choice by this younger son disrupted this family. I, I can't imagine the kind of tension it caused around the dinner table at holidays when this son was gone. So the, the son, the younger son, goes to his dad. He asks for his inheritance. And rather than saying no or beginning to lecture him or putting down some ground rules, the father gives him the inheritance and gives him his okay to go. And so the son leaves and he goes and lives on his own and does what a lot of us would do when we're on our own for the first time. He parties. He throws big, lavish dinners and expensive money. is just thrown out the window. He's living life crazy. He's spending all of his money like there's no tomorrow until a famine comes. And when this famine hits, this natural disaster, or maybe it was caused by war, but there's some scarcity in the land that causes him to be completely financially devastated. In fact, he's so broke that he has to go to work. My guess is, reading about this son in this situation, that he probably hasn't had to have real work done in his entire life. And so for maybe for the first time, he's going and getting his hands dirty. He goes to work 
for a farmer who raises pigs. Pigs are smelly, they're stinky, they're gross. They will eat almost anything. And he is responsible for putting the slop down for the pigs to eat. One day he's so desperate and hungry and broke and financially devastated that he looks at the slop the pigs are eating and he's like, I'm, I'm hungry enough to eat that. It's at this moment that he seems to come to his senses enough to know that whatever experiences he has here, the freedom he thinks he earned by going to his dad and saying, you're dead to me, that that's nothing. And that what he really needs is the comforts of home. He's ready to go home and beg, not to be taken back as a son, but just to be welcomed in as a servant. See, the servants in his dad's house had it better than he had it right now. They were fed. They probably had shelter. He provided for his servants in a way that this son wasn't even getting where he was working. So he goes home broken. And I don't know what he expected to find. I don't know how he expected to be treated. He seems to be just humble at this point. And rather than the father just welcoming him home, we find that the father's actually anticipating his return. Maybe he knows about the famine. Maybe he's guessed that his son has run out of money. But he's waiting for his son, who wasted and squandered all of his resources to come back home. And he doesn't just say, hey, come on in. Have you learned your lesson? We're going to talk about better financial responsibility. No. When he sees his son, he runs to him. He hugs him. He embraces him. He puts a coat on him. He throws a party for him. And not just any party. They sacrifice the fattened calf. This is a barbecue to end all barbecues. It is crazy because the father is just so excited that his son who was gone, who was lost to him, is now home. And what we're supposed to learn from this story of the younger son is that God designed us to experience good and beautiful things. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says that he came that they could have abundant life. And that that's what God wants for us, is a life of abundance. Now, this doesn't mean that you're going to have financial blessing, that you're always going to be comfortable, that you'll never get sick. In fact, Jesus warned that you will experience all of those things. But what it does mean is that we are in a relationship with a kind, gracious, loving God, who is our Father, our provider, our protector, who wants what is best for us. But sometimes we squander that resource. The things that God has given us, the things that God has done for us, we take them for granted. We waste them. We throw away all the goodness, all the love, all the mercy, all the grace, all the beautiful things that God has put in our life. We get rid of them. We squander those resources. But God doesn't have a limited amount of these things. There's not a cap on what he can and can't do. God's grace, his love, his forgiveness is endless. God is able to create more abundance even when we've messed up, even when we've wasted what God has given us. But the story of the prodigal son or the lost son isn't actually about the younger son, the younger brother, who wasted all of the resources. It's actually a story about two lost sons. In Luke chapter 15, verses 25 through 30, this is what it says. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fed calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. 
The older brother was angry and he wouldn't even go inside. I can just see him sitting outside the party, looking in, arms crossed, scowling, just in complete disappointment about what his father was choosing to do. He wouldn't even go in. His father came out and begged him, but the older brother replied, all these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all of that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fat calf. See, the son who was out in the world who was wasting his dad's resources was not the only lost son. The older son was at home and still didn't have a good, healthy relationship with his dad. Now, some of you can relate to that. You can relate to being at home and not having a good, healthy relationship with your father. And it's easy to blame the father, especially when we see so many broken homes and messed up father figures in our culture. I know that I'm not a perfect father, and if my children were to rebel or be frustrated with me, I'd be like, yeah, it makes sense because I'm sometimes not an amazing father. But this father doesn't seem to be anything but gracious and kind and loving to his sons. And yet, listen to how this older son describes his relationship and his experiences in the house. He thinks of himself as a slave. He says, I've slaved away for you all these years. Now, the younger son, when he was out on his own, he realized what work was really like. He knew what it meant to be just a servant in his dad's house. But this older brother, whose home is still lost because he thinks of himself as a slave. And then when there's celebration going on, he doesn't know how to have a good time. He doesn't know how to celebrate the context for Jesus telling this story. If you look at Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, is that tax collectors and notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus. So Jesus would go around from house to house, town to town, preaching, teaching, healing, and all kinds of people who were on the outskirts of society, the broken, the lost, the sinful, the neglected, the abused, the disconnected, the disenfranchised. All these people were coming and following Jesus. And this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. They couldn't imagine that Jesus would sit down and break bread with people like tax collectors and sinners. So Jesus begins to tell them stories. And through Luke chapter 15, he tells stories of people who lost something and then found it. There's a story of a shepherd who has 100 sheep. He loses one. He goes to find it. When he does, he's excited. There's a woman who lost a coin, one of her 10 coins. She cleans the entire house and is excited and celebrates with her friends when she finds it. And then this story of a son who was far off, was lost, was wasting all of his dad's abundant resources. And when he comes home, he throws a party, and the older son, the brother, doesn't get it. He's angry, he's resentful, he has no grace and love for his brother. The point of this story is that both sons were lost. Jesus is telling the religious people of his day that they are just as lost as the sinners and task collectors who are broken. So when we experience disruption in our family, when we experience disruption in our life, when we face our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers who are having to make tough decisions, 
One of the things we need to ask ourselves is, are we able to sympathize and empathize with the people around us? Are we able to consider what it's like to be in their position? Or are we so stuck in our own ways and in our own heads that we can't see beyond that, that we can't have love and grace for other people who are making tough decisions, who are facing tough circumstances? I've noticed in this isolation, social distancing, this COVID-19 um, situation, that some people are just going above and beyond to be gracious and loving. Sometimes when you go out to the grocery store, everybody's kind. They're keeping their distance. They're giving little head nods because we know that we're all in this together. But some of us have been worried about ourselves and we can't seem to find the space in our lives to be loving and kind and gracious to those who are in need, to those who are struggling, and to those who are approaching this differently than we are. See, the religious people of Jesus' day, they didn't get Jesus because Jesus wasn't just for them. He let everyone come. Jesus had enough grace and abundance and room in his circle for everyone. And so when we think about how to face disruptions in life, I wanna challenge you to think about what it looks like to approach them and to face them with grace? Is there space in your world, in your life, for the needs of others, for those who are struggling, for those who are approaching life a little differently right now? See, religious people often make the mistake of thinking that grace is an unlimited supply. But even when we squander grace, even when we mess up, God is able to be there and provide beauty and love and grace and abundance. And so as us followers, we need to learn to do the same thing.